The Theonauts, episode 37. The one where God likes science, too. The Theonauts Podcast. Christian news from around the globe. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. It is the glory of God to conceal a thing, but the honor of kings is to search out a matter. Explore the vast reaches of God's word. Oh, hello, all of you. Theoducibly complex organisms. I told you to get out of that coffee shop, David. Gosh. <laughs> yeah. These theoducibly what? <laughs> theoducibly complex organisms. Yeah, I don't know that. I'm David Gaddy. I'm Jeremiah Orr. And we are the Theonauts. <laughs> so okay. Wow. It'll make more sense as we go along. Oh, I hope so. Farther along. <laughs> Dear Jesus. <laughs> so how you doing, David? I'm doing good. How's, every, how's everything going in Jeremiah land? Oh, we're all falling apart over here. Everything's great, though. Awesomeness. <laughs> God is good. Yeah. Amen. All the time. <laughs> and all the time. God is good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's great. So no matter what you think about that movie, that was a good catchphrase. Yeah. It's a great one. Well, I've heard it way before that movie. Well, yeah, but that's kind of... My great-great-great-granddaddy used that one. Yeah. But that springboarded it kind of into it the did, mainstream. It did. That's right. Or the mainstream Christian... Culture, culture of today, <laughs> of, to, of today, of tomorrow. <laughs> All right, not your great granddaddy's culture. <laughs> Let's just restart this entire thing. No, I'm joking. We're good. We're good. We're good. So, how's how uh, how's how's your week been? What you been up to? Oh, week has been good. Trying to catch up after being, um, you know, not doing much during the holidays. Yeah, and um, is all, it all my clients had stuff for me to do? Oh, really? So I had to like, okay, get in line. <laughs> is it hard for you to get the engines firing and the the pistons pumping after a, a long break like that? Kinda. It's really hard for me. Like all I want to do is I'll sit on the couch and watch Netflix. To be honest <laughs> with you, well, I wasn't quite there. I mean, I, 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 I didn't have a problem getting up in the morning and getting yeah. and getting to my clients' offices and stuff like that. But the but uh, getting my head back into the software engineering because sure. you have to. Did you ever see the Social Network? The mo- uh, the yeah, mo- the I movie. love that movie. Okay, there's there's a couple of things in there that's real. Like this is the way uh, software engineers really are. Really, you know, there's one part where Zuckerberg has all his headphones on, right. and he's sitting there working at the computer, and they're talking to him, and he has no idea what right. they're saying. <laughs> and he was like, "Oh, sorry, he's wired in." Yeah, <laughs> that's really. I mean, that's that's a realistic thing. I you mean, get wired in you you, just start you, to start thinking about this stuff and the code. I mean, you wow. get you get really like wired in, and you you know you go off into this other little world, and it's kind of hard when I been on break to get back into that you know because huh. you know my facebook notification comes up and i oh sure. and I'm <laughs> right following some rabbit trail right but anyway so how, what about you uh, besides netflix i mean <laughs> well we had a d now on uh, january 2nd through 4th at the church uh which is disciple now it's our youth event we do a weekend of uh, Bible study, and we did the basic series by Francis Chan. Oh, I love that series. Uh, it's really good. And, uh, you know. How, was, did, how did it go? 
I think it was well recepted. Uh, received, recepted. <laughs> wow, well received. Reciprocated. Uh, yeah, it was well reciprocated. They, they liked it a lot. From turn to say, but know, uh, if Shakespeare can make up words, we can make up words. That's too. right. <laughs> yeah, so it was well received, and uh, <laughs> uh, there were. Uh, let's see, there we had close to thirty kids, and we had a blast. We went Saturday all day and ran around uh, Sherman and did crazy uh, uh, scavenger hunt stuff. And uh, Kevin came with us, your son. Yes, he, yes. he did great doing that. And uh, uh, let's see, then that was pretty much my entire weekend. I preached on the fear of God on Sunday. That was fun, oh. and uh, I got to preach some hellfire. And so, books, did you so. get that from the ba- yes, from the uh, basic series? I did. Yeah. I tweaked it a little bit, but I mm-hmm. got a lot of it from basic series. It was <clears> great. <throat> I mean, I'm telling you, the way Francis Chan puts things together, like for instance, I love when he talks about he's talking about people saying they're followers of Jesus and mm-hmm. then talking about how um, when you're a kid and you play the game follow the leader, right? Yeah. And imagine some kid sitting over there in a lounge chair going, well, I'm following you in my heart. <laughs> but, right, <laughs> right, but he's right. not following. I mean, is he following <laughs> you? No, no, he's not. Or the other great analogy, yeah, one of my favorites. I love that. He goes, uh, he's like, if I told my daughter... I said, go clean your room. And she came back a little while later, and she goes, I memorized what you said. You said, go clean your room. And then she comes back later, and she's like, I learned it in the Greek, the original (laughs) Greek. And then she comes back later, and she's like, once a week, me and my friends are going to have a Bible study on what it would look like if we cleaned our rooms. But you never. But the, the room is still nasty. Yeah, right, if you never clean your room, what are you doing? What it says, you know, and that's so true. Uh, yeah, it's a great, a great analogy for kids, man. He well, just it's a great analogy anyway because yeah. we we forget that God's a father, right? And those of us who are fathers, I mean, we should know how this relationship works. Sure. I mean, well, we should really understand it, right? <laughs> but no, it's just, it still goes right over our heads. Yeah, that's the truth. But yeah, that's a great series, um, man. His little section on fellowship. You know, seeing how we're always talking unity and stuff like that. That was a, that's huge. I, yeah. I love that little section, you know, and, and especially the part where he's talking about how the, um, the, the gang member that, oh, that, yeah. that came to, to their, their church and, right. and then stopped coming after a while. And he saw the guy and he was like, Hey, I haven't seen you in a while. Yeah. And the gang member was like, Oh, well, to be honest with you, I didn't get it. Right. I thought it was going to be like when I joined the gang. Right. Where I, everyone had my back and we were a family <laughs> and all this. Yeah. And he's like, seriously? True fellowship. The Right. They had better fellowship. They had a better example of biblical fellowship right. with the with the gang, right. <laughs> the street gang, than the church was in, was exemplified. Right. The guy's like, we have a fellowship hall and we eat ice cream every once in a while together. <laughs> yeah, that's our fellowship. That's our fellowship. Yeah. Kind of yeah. And that one actually caused a really good discussion with our youth because they started looking around and going been there done that (laughs) well yeah what this looks like i mean it was so what you're describing to us what the church ought to be i don't see this anywhere Mm -hmm. like we're not and that was a really big whoa yeah that's a red flag that's a big aha moment yeah and and it's not just your group or my group that is yeah so it's everywhere it's universal and uh chen does a a, such a superb job of getting of of saying it in a way that makes it just completely understandable it's like wow how have we been missing this relational these relational issues right so yeah, it's great. Sometimes we'll have to do a whole 
talk more about the basic series. Yeah. But anyway, today, do you have some news for us? Hey, I got some news. And now, the news. You like the way I ask you a question and then just bam. (laughs) You just give it to me? (laughs) Just didn't even give you a chance to answer. It's like, (laughs) now, the news. Right. Well, all right. Well, I do have news. Uh, From Christianity Today, uh, they just reported uh, International Religious Freedom Research Group did a... Um, a survey to find out the 2015's top 50 um, countries where the most it where it's most d- difficult to be a Christian. So the ones that are hardest to live in, uh, they have the most persecution. Can you guess which is number one? No. The most persecution. Most persecution. Now this is uh, basically yeah. America. No, it's not American. <laughs> American. Whatever. Uh, China. Close, no. China actually is not even in the top 10. Really? China's ranked down almost to 30. China's ranked down to 29. Oh, 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 oh. Uh, a Middle Eastern country. No, it's not. Really? It's an Asian country. Wow. Okay, lay it on. Oh, South Korea. North, North Korea. Korea. North, North Korea. Korea is number one. <laughs> That's close. North Korea is number one. Somalia is number two. Iraq, three. Syria, four. Afghanistan, five. Which is really interesting that Iraq is number three, even though, and they went up from last year, number four, to number three this year. And the major reason is because ISIS Mm. Even though there's beheadings happening in Iraq, they're still ranked number three. Under, I can't imagine how hard it'd be to be a Christian in North Korea. But I, I did watch a documentary on it, and I guess basically if they find out or anything. It's hard enough to even live in North Korea. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> Much less. Well, they, they worship. Express a religion. Right. They're called to worship their leader. Yeah. Right. And, and literally pray to him and worship to him. Right. <laughs> And so, and they have his picture up in their the wall and everything. I watched this documentary, and if you don't do that, they actually have detention camps where they will send you and to rehabilitate you, you or kill you or right. whatever. <laughs> I'll get you while I'm wild wide. <laughs> I'm not even gonna. I'm sorry. You started it. You <laughs> started. Uh, you know what my favorite part of that movie was. <laughs> Let's not even go there. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> but it's so funny. It's what he's like. What is it? Matt Damon. <laughs> he just says his name over there. Anyways, I'm not even referring to anything, so you can just cut this segment segment out. Um. Anyways, so number three is Iraq. Number four is Syria. Five, Afghanistan. Six, Sudan. Seven is Iran. Eight, Pakistan. Nine, er, E-R-I-T-E-A? E-I-E-R-I-T-R-E-A. What is that? Eritrea? <laughs> I don't know. But number 10 is Don't Ni- go there. Nigeria. Like just don't go there. <laughs> Anyways, it's really interesting. They they just show, uh, and it's it's pretty hostile. The um, least persecuted, Kuwait. It's very easy to be a Christian in Kuwait, I guess. The least persecuted. Yeah. Of all. Not of all, but according to this thing. Man, I didn't know Kuwait was persecuted. So... Was Kuwait. so um, and it's down. Oh, of the persecuted, of the persecuted. Yeah. Okay. So the the, the so last gonna, one that made their list, right? If you're going to go to a place where Christians are persecuted, 
go to Kuwait. United States isn't even on the radar. I wonder where Canada is. Mexico is actually on Canada the list. Canada doesn't care about 38. nothing. You can do anything in Canada and not be persecuted for it. That's pretty much true. <laughs> That's so funny. Oh my goodness! Let's all hey, go to Canada. Hey, whatever. Eh? It's your choice, eh? Whatever you like, man. Eh? It's, it's okay. We're not going to call you a hoser or anything. Seriously. Eh? Let's, us Canucks, as long as you like hockey. If you don't like hockey, then we'll persecute you. But if you're a Christian, you're okay, man. Eh? Persecute you on the ice. That's right. Outside of that. We'll break your teeth, eh? <laughs> Take his manhood stoner. Have you heard? My brother-in-law went to a hockey game for the first time ever in Minnesota one, one time. Yeah. And he's like, it was a life-changing experience. In Minnesota, hockey's a big thing, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, he, he we just, know where our Dallas Stars came from. Right. Yeah. They were Minnesota something. <laughs> North before. Stars. North Stars. That's right. And uh, anyway, so he went to this hockey team's game. And he just remembers all the fights breaking out. And he heard this one guy behind him scream out, Take his manhood stoner. Like <laughs> he thought it was the funniest thing in the world. I repeat that all the time. So, uh, shout out to Darren if you're listening to this. Take his manhood stoner. Okay. Anyways, all right. So, uh, speaking of manhood, <laughs> you like that transition? Yeah. You ready Ooh. for this? Yeah. Let's play the clip. Always oh, gonna. We do love each other very much. We are best friends. I wouldn't change anything about him. There's no marriage that is perfect. Ours isn't. But with our faith in God, we believe we can overcome anything. I like to say I've chosen an alternative to an alternative lifestyle. I'm attracted to my wife, for sure. And I'm definitely attracted to men, too. He's a good looking guy, for sure. Well, I'm interested in men. I'm just not interested in men. That's clear. So are they gay or not? I get a little defensive when somebody calls my husband gay. The whole act is against the teachings of the gospel. I don't think people understand it. You're attracted to men, but you're going on a date with a girl. I want to marry a woman, but I don't know how to work out these feelings. I don't know how to tell you this, but I'm attracted to men. What was that about? So that is a new show that is premiering on, of course, of all channels, TLC, because that's the most... the modern-day freak show. Yeah, the (laughs) modern-day freak show, TLC, who is uh, showing a new uh, show that's called My Husband's Not Gay. It's a new (laughs) bit. It will be premiering this Sunday. It follows the lives of four Mormon men and their wives and families. I think one of them is actually not married. But follows the lives of them, as, and one of them's trying to date girls. But you notice. They're telling them that the first thing he discloses thing, is, I hey, like guys. I like guys. <laughs> just so you know. Just <laughs> throwing that out there, you can do whatever you like with it. But uh, anyway, so it follows them and their attempts to be not gay. Um, they are Mormons. And uh, they're living in Salt Lake City. So, anyways, it's really interesting. Uh, there's a whole bunch of backlash coming out from, from this. The LGBT BT community is uh, um, trying to close down this show as quick as they can. Stop because, it! Stop this! Yeah. <laughs> because they, they say that it's... Uh, 
they say that it's promoting um get the mormons off the tv yeah. <laughs> what's the name of that uh um convert some kind of therapy i forget the name hold on um oh my gosh conversion therapy conversion therapy thank you the gay rights group glad is the one that's heading up however says that the show and this is from by the way the new york daily news so the show is sending a wrong message um and it is a sad reminder of so-called gay conversion therapy often faith-based efforts designed to change sexual orientation that can be emotionally scarring. New Jersey and California in 2013 banned the therapist from practicing gay conversion therapy on children and teenagers. The American uh, AMA, the American Me- uh, Medical Association, and the American Psychological Association do not support the therapy. They're saying that this is a, a picture destructive. Yes, of gay <clears throat> conversion therapy. But the other side is going, no, wait a second. These guys are choosing to to strive to live a Christian li- or a Mormon lifestyle uh, within uh, those guidelines. Those or... guidelines. They mm-hmm. just happen to be attracted to men. One of the um, one of the guys who's interviewed, he says, basically, and this is from an extended clip. You can go online and watch it at TLC.com. But the extended clip, he's like, you know, um, I didn't choose to be attracted to men just like I didn't choose to be attracted to donuts. But it doesn't mean that I have to partake of the donuts. <laughs> okay and so he's trying to you know so you know it brings up a big question are these you know are these guys just denying themselves is this uh scriptural what is it you know what is this very it's very interesting what's mm-hmm. going on uh this is also coming on a wake of uh according to relevant magazine there was a young man uh a young man or young woman whoever you want to whatever you want his real name is uh um Joshua, but he refers himself as Leela Alcorn. Uh, she took her, she he took his life uh, tragically um, after several rounds of quote unquote conversion therapy that were forced upon him by his parents. Right, um, and so that there's been a petition a change. So all of a sudden, it doesn't work. Right. I mean, all of a sudden, it's horrible because this person took this his one life. person couldn't yeah. deal with it. They have a uh, three hundred thousand <clears throat> signatures uh, to say that. We should stop conversion therapy. Um, well, my my big thing is I don't know if it's so much conversion therapy that caused this person to take his life. I think it was forced conversion therapy right. that caused this person to take his life. His parents forced it upon him. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, in the note, he's... Well, and there's a huge difference whenever you desire right. to change in, to some other... Uh, or I say change. I think that the the part of the 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 problem is that terminology conversion therapy, right? Because, I mean, in my estimation, you I mean a homosexual desire is just another sin. I mean, I have sinful desires that I can't, sure, you know, fulfill, and so it's like, okay, so you, you know, yeah, it might be hard to fight against. A desire, right? But we all have that to some degree. And granted, if that's your whole, the only thing you desire, then that might make it even harder, right? But um, yeah, I don't necessarily think it's as much a conversion as it is a suppression. Yeah, you know, of 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 a desire, right? Um, his <clears throat> parents said that. Uh, well, his mother 
Carla said, we don't support relig- that religiously gay lesbian lifestyle. Uh, we told him that we loved him unconditionally. Uh, we loved him no matter what. I love my son. People need to know that I loved him. He was a good kid. But uh, still, he, you know, that was kind of forced. I don't want to hear another word until you're through with this therapy. Right, exactly. <laughs> and so that's, right. you know, it's a very touchy situation and one I don't think we'll cover here on Theo not right. so much. But, you know, if we're going to, but if you're going to let the Mormons do their thing on TV. Yeah. I mean, they've got these polygamous shows. Oh, I, seriously. I mean, they got, so it's like, okay, well, this is a part of their religion just like that is. Right. So, you know, I mean, let them do their thing. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't know. Well, and I think it's a, it's a very interesting, it's an interesting look at, and it's actually a, this could be a very good case study for us as a society to look at and go, okay, so what's going on here? You know, these guys are actually desiring to, right. to thwart people their can function gay lifestyle and in that way. You know, they're having kids and and living. Uh, the The women are saying they they have uh, normal sexual lifestyles uh, uh, in their marriage. That there's not, mm-hmm. you know, they, he they just struggle with attraction <laughs> to men, and so. Really interesting to see what develops there. I think I'm going to watch it just because <laughs> I want to watch it. Just because everything, el- like everything else on TLC, it's a train wreck. Right. You're flipping the channels and you can't help but stop. And, <laughs> I know. And seriously. crane your neck yeah. and go, what? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, this is like, I saw some show on there one time. It was like, I have two heads or something like that. It was <laughs> some girl with two heads. Uh, or I guess it was a Siamese. Siamese twin. Twin thing, type yeah. of thing going on. <laughs> so it's like. This is the freak show. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We don't go to Barnum and Bailey anymore and pay to go through those tents, but instead we pop it up on TV. We, yeah, it's everywhere. Yeah. You know, I mean, the midgets and the tall people and the fat people and sure. the, um, they're going to have the bearded lady show. I mean, I right. I don't know. It's like it. It's amazing. <laughs> I don't know. All right. Uh, so the last thing I have in the news is a really, a really important one to me. Republicans are trying to pass a new bill. Um, called the Pain Capable Bill, um, w- which would prevent abortions if it's passed, prevent abortions after 20 weeks, which uh, studies have shown that, that um, unborn babies feel pain past mm-hmm. 20 weeks, and so it's a horrible, horrible thing to uh, to abort um, the, well, begin with, but uh, after 20 weeks it's especially. At least if you can, if you can lean on someone's, you know, sensitivity about the pain issue, right. then maybe it's a step in the right direction to, I mean, any, any reduction in it is, is a step in the right direction. Absolutely. Um, Republican Ted <laughs> Franks, who's a representative from Arizona, um, said, says that more than 18,000 very late term abortions are performed every year on perfectly healthy unborn babies in America. Um, these are innocent and defenseless children who can not only feel pain, but who can survive outside the womb in most cases and who are torturously killed without even basic anesthesia. Um, the studies have shown that many of these babies cry and scream as they die, but because of its ambiotic fluid over its vocal cords, instead of air, we don't hear it. Right. Um, so late-term abortion in America has its defenders, but no true or principled defense. The pain-capable abortion um, unborn child protection act seeks to afford basic protection to mothers and their unborn babies 
uh, entering the six months of uh, the six month of gestation. So, um, regardless how you feel on early term abortion, late term abortion is horrific. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can see, you can go online and just see pictures of them uh, being done, and it's 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 basically just homicide uh, more than uh, more than anything. Well, else. it's just so, more visible, yeah, to us. It's, it's all it, you know. It's all homicide. <laughs> it but, is, but it's just more visible to us. Right. Uh, and and I think this is a step in the right direction. Right. But I would encourage our listeners that we're not going to solve this problem in the courts. You know, I mean, it at the government level. I mean, this this is nice that that you know you're reducing the number by right. by this type of legislation. But you can't legislate hearts, and you can't that that's that has to happen in your congregations. That's right. It has to happen in your town. You you need to make sure that people have a conscience about this stuff sure and that's where that's when things will start to change yeah the more that you know the more people we can get to understand that these are actually unborn children not mm-hmm. it's not as much as people want to call it an embryo or whatever it is an embryo but it's it's an unborn child right. embryo yeah it's not the mother's body we're talking about no this is a completely different part you know yeah. um growing inside the mother's body so it's a you know i think the biggest here's here's where i believe that we need to fight our focus our fight is defining when life begins um because the minute we define and most of your science textbooks define life as anything growing okay so right. uh the minute that life begins is at gestation or at a um conception right. uh scientifically <clears throat> so if you define that life begins scientifically and you prove it with a shadow of doubt life begins at conception and then you kill that life well if it's a human life what is that called murder Murder. okay murder that's what we need to be focusing on i believe uh is defining when life begins and then showing that it's human murder yeah at least down to the grassroots level because you know that used to be the huge argument you don't hear that argument among the the uh the intelligent you know, a community anymore right. because it's a stupid argument nowadays. The technology has gotten to the point where it's like, oh, there's a heartbeat. I mean, right. people are pretty much convinced, at least, you know, um, scientifically, right. that that life begins then. Right. It's just everyone's hush-hush about it because, you know, the person down the street who doesn't really have much scientific background or whatever might still believe, hey, it's just my body. Right. So... And the, the sad thing is, is I believe that if I took so, or if a good lawyer took somebody to court over killing an innocent, uh, killing an unborn child, and proved that life exists, we could we could have a court case here that would, you know what I mean, that would right. change everything, overrule uh, Roe versus Wade. But yeah. that's just my my belief. But anyways, that's all I got in the news and such. Okay, we're continuing on in our discussion about science, creation, creation, creation versus evolution. <laughs> All right. So, yes, this is uh, uh, creationism part three. Right. And what we want to do this this time is I want to look at some um, some science and some math and and 
things like this that's not too – I'm not going to bust anybody's brain. Are you sure? Because I might check out. <laughs> well, the, the main thing that, that we want to do is – and some of this we've touched on a little bit before in the previous episodes. Right. But one of the biggest things that the scientific community likes to do when it comes to creationism is call it pseudoscience, a bunch of hogwash. Right. You're you're a complete moron. Right. Put it, it put it on par with cryptos. Out, yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. You might as well believe in UFOs. And, right. In fact, they will accept UFO stuff. Sure. Way before they accept deism. Right. So when you start talking about creationism and that sort of thing, you always get hit with this. Oh, well, that's just the unintelligent community still <laughs> leaning on myth and legend and all that sort of thing and mysticism. And well, um, actually, no science does. There's a lot of really good science behind uh, the Bible, right behind uh, creation and creationism. And so, um, what I want to do in this episode is look at mainly at evolution, at the the Darwin Darwinistic evolution. Right. We're talking about macro evolution. So the theory says that you know we were a single celled organism, changed into a fish at some point, which changed into a lizard, which changed into a chimp, you know, or a right. monkey, and then changed into an ape, which changed into a man. So we have this, you know, everyone has seen the little Darwin, sure, you know, diagram. Yeah, <laughs> it's a great diagram. <laughs> and there's always a good meme, yeah, that you can throw in there at the same time. But uh, so, and so, I want to talk mostly about that and how that relates to real science. Sure, because I will. I'm going to contend that Darwinism is not scientific. It is pseudo scientific. It is pseudo science. All right. So <laughs> awesome. So next time someone says, well, "I believe in Darwinistic," that, just say, "Hey, how pseudo scientific?" Yeah, are you? if you want to believe in that pseudo science, <laughs> Darwin wrote um, "Origin of the Species" in 1859. Yeah. Okay, so this is late breaking news, right? Oh, tons. Yeah, what is that? <laughs> over two hundred years old, something like that. <laughs> Not quite, but uh, we're getting there. Yeah, pretty close. Um, the, and there is something to be said about the fact that it was um, coined in eighteen fifty nine, even at the time that he wrote that book uh, and his other works as well. He even left himself a way out. There are several things in that book that say, if it's ever proven that X, Y, and Z, then my theory does not right. hold water. And uh, we've proven several of those things, and um, um, one of which, he says, if if transitional forms, and we'll get to what that means and, and whatever, he, he mentions if, 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 if we are unable to find transitional forms, then right. my theory does not hold any water. Right. We have yet to find those, and we'll talk about that in a little bit too. But um, <clears throat> this was this was really a um, the theory wasn't even all that popular early on. Right. Uh, it wasn't until we talked about the 1925 Scopes, Scopes monkey, monkey trial, trial. Yeah. and uh, we, <laughs> we had all kinds of fun talking about that. <laughs> but um, that is whenever it really started getting its um, legs because it became an enemy of. Deism or right. the belief in God and creationism, so um, that's what gave it strength. Sure, and um, you know when you, when it comes to science, science is nothing more than observing nature and observing how uh, things work. 
right. and making hypothesis based on that. Right. So science is supposed to be the search for truth and the search for knowledge yeah. about our existence right. and in this in- environment we live in. But um, everyone brings into that their worldview. Right. Your worldview enters into that no matter what. If you're an atheist, you're never going to see God no matter how much evidence you look at. Right. If you are a theist or a faith-based individual who believes that we were created, you're going to have a hard time not seeing God in it. Yeah. Right? So um, so it's really a, a big question of, of perspective. Um, but in the 30s, it started becoming widely accepted into the scientific community because of the um, the the science, the scientific community, and I hate when we use science as if it's a group of people. Science is not <laughs> a group of people. <laughs> science and God are not opposed. Right. Scientists and the scientific community at large are opposed to um, to this. Now th- there are some that uh, here recently. Um, should have brought up the news articles that I found the other day about this. But here recently there have been some um, late-breaking things that have come out and said, hmm, intelligent design may have something. And it's not being shot down immediately, which huh. that's unusual. Yeah. Um, because usually if anyone with any accredit- uh, uh, credibility makes a statement like that, they start losing the credibility really fast. Right. <laughs> Give her ridden, you know, uh, written, written out off. of town, you know, or whatever. Um, but anyway, the the idea of Darwinistic evolution says that life began spontaneously um, and given time and material. So it, the age of the earth, the reason why we started with that is because it has a whole lot to do with this theory of evolution. Right. Without time and material like an infinite amount of time and an infinite amount of materials to work with uh, theistic or not theistic, but uh, evolution in general, Darwinistic evolution doesn't even uh, hold a candle. I mean, there's no way it can happen unless you're dealing with millions and billions of years. Well, infinite amount of time. Um, But the idea is that all living things have evolved from simpler forms of life over the course of millions of years. And natural selection based on environment determines what survives and how anatomy evolves. Right. Um, And the purpose of it is pure naturalism of science. And in other words, no outside interference from a, from a deity at all. Right. So that's really the purpose of, of why the, the theory still survives. So, you know, it's interesting to me that this theory is even accepted at all anymore because of some of the things that we're going to talk about today. Sure. Um, Because it just isn't very scientific at all, really. Um, But we'll we'll look at that here in a minute. Let's start by talking about... um, the second law of thermodynamics. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> Isn't that the so one did you that, take uh, physics in high school or <laughs> in, in college? I did take physics in high school. Okay, well, you surely <laughs> you ran across this this law. You may not remember it, but <laughs> right. <laughs> but it's the second law of thermodynamics the is the law of entropy. It, right, often called entropy. Right, and um, means. <laughs> 
basically everything decays. Yes, right? yes. Yeah. Okay, so what is the, first off, what's the difference between a law, a scientific law, and a scientific theory? A theory has not been proven. A law, however, has been proven by its observational existence in nature. Yes, we've actually been able to prove beyond shadow of a doubt that this is so. Right. Therefore, it becomes a law. Like gravity. Right. And um, It's not the theory of gravity, it's the law it's, of gravity. Right. Gravity exists. Right. We, we don't know why. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, some of us know why. Yeah. But... Uh, uh, the scientific community at large doesn't know exactly why it exists. They just know that it exists and we can measure it. Sure. Okay, so the the second law of thermodynamics was um, was discovered or um, by Sir Isaac Newton, who sure. was responsible for a lot of early work in, in physics. Physics, yeah. Now, um, Sir Isaac News- Newton was a Christian. Sure. <laughs> and he Very was, faithful Christian. Yes, and he, and he actually uh, had saw no complications right with uh science and and uh his his belief in god right working together um, right so it's this is so in case you're wondering this is kind of a late this this science versus religion thing is a late argument yes it's something that's come along recently it's very not, recently um, most scientists were christians to begin with right i mean blaise pascal right. i mean we, but uh but anyway, <clears throat> so what the law of entropy basically says that uh, everything goes from a from a state of order to a state of chaos. Right. So let's, for example, let's take a uh, you get a glass of water from the refrigerator. Yeah. You're drinking it. Yeah. And it, I mean, it's really it's very good. It's really cold. Refreshing. Refreshing. You put it on the table for a little bit. Yeah. And you forget about it. You go about and you do your business, and you come back and you see it and you grab it. Yeah. How's it taste? Not as refreshing. Warm. <laughs> right. Right. It's warm. Why? Why didn't it stay cold? Well, because the uh, the little uh, things that are fluttering <laughs> around in there. What's it called? The uh, molecules. Uh, molecules, <laughs> which are going really, really really fast expand right right they entropy in other okay. words they go yeah so chaos. so the broader view yeah is things don't stay in an ordered state right it, it it i mean there are other reasons yeah but the but the overarching reason yeah is that of this law of entropy right so it, it works the same way if you if you boil that water right okay you put it on your your table with a, a hot pad underneath it it's 212 degrees, right? Yeah. But it's not going to stay 212 degrees. So the molecules are going to... Right. It's, yeah. it's going yeah. to it's moderate. Gonna, right. It's going to come back to, an, to a state of, of, of disorder. Right. You have a deck of cards. Now, you open them up out of the box, they're in bridge order, right? Right. What happens if you start shuffling them? Well, they get out of order. They get out of order. Now, sure. can, now if you shuffled enough, would it ever go back into order? No. It's, the statistics are impossible. It's right. Impossible. It's crazy to even think that. Right. But that's how we have thought in some of these right. terms of biology. Yeah. Well, evolution, basically, evolution takes the law of entropy and it flips it, it reverses it. Right. It puts it on its ear. Right. So that, okay, now things go from a, a state of disorder to a state of order. To a state of order. So it completely violates the whole idea of right. how thermodynamics works. Right. So, um, 
and not just thermodynamics, but other uh, other issues of entropy. Sure. That okay. For example, you clean your garage. Yeah. Okay. You're done for life, right? Your garage is clean. You put it into order from disorder. Right. You you put it into order. Right. What happens? When, you know, two weeks later, it's going to go back into disorder <laughs> if you don't keep on top of it. Right. Okay. Even if you don't even go in there. Right. It's still going to be dusty and. Right. I mean, things just go from a state of of order to chaos. Right. Things will not stay in an order fashion. And so um, every field of science relies on, on the this laws of law yeah. being true, yeah. except for evolution, biology. Yeah. For whatever reason, we we throw out this idea right. and we just let it happen. You know, right. okay, well. Things can go from a state of disorder to order. Uh, doesn't make sense. No Where more, we observe that ever in yeah, the history of man. No, no more than shuffling that deck of cards right. is going to end up with uh, uh, bridge order. So, okay, let's talk about uh, Darwin for uh, a second in his sure. part of his theory. And um, what he observed in science at the time, remember this is 1850s. Yeah. He's looking through a microscope of the 1850s right. at cells. Right. What does he see? A little bitty what? <laughs> it's just a dot. Right? Just a dot. I mean, yeah. he's looking at a little piece of goo. Right. That is what makes up everything. Right. These little pieces of goo. Right. Okay. That's how he, that's how everybody in the scientific community observed cells. Sure. Could not look any further. They didn't have the technology to see past that. In other words, the cell was the smallest thing they'd ever ever observed in science. Yes, at this, and everything at this is point. made up of this. And so right. the idea is, well, it starts with a cell that's floating around in some primordial soup. Yeah. And the cell divides, and then it divides, and then, you know, and all this, and it becomes an organism. Yeah. And you can animate this, and it looks cool. So wait, time out. There's no such thing as DNA at this time. Right, we're just talking about cell cells. Itself. We're not even talking. <laughs> so nothing tells a cell what it is. Yeah, so we're not talking about amino acids and proteins or anything like that yet. Okay. We're just talking about wow cells. And yeah. that's the, ba- from Darwin's perspective, right. this is the building blocks of life. This is where it begins. So it, it makes sense that he would come to some of the conclusions he came to, knowing that, hey, I look in the microscope, and the smallest thing I can see is a cell. Right. Okay. Uh, but what he did not know about the cell is that it is a factory. That's right. It is not just a little piece of goo. No, there's a ton of things that make up the cell. Right. It, it, it most uh, like the human cell has more than forty moving functional parts. Right. And if these these parts all serve a purpose, one oh, of yeah. them works to help the other one, and all of these. Th- things make the cell live and grow and right if you take one of those things away just one of them the whole mechanism stops working collapses in on itself okay uh the the intelligent design community has a term for this this is one of those terms that your scientific friend is going to call pseudoscience but the term is irreducibly complex so hence right the Theoducible, whatever I called everybody. Theoducibles? I don't even remember. Strike that. We'll go back and check it out. So irreducibly complex. (laughs) Right. Sounds very complicated, but it's really simple. All it means is that you can't reduce 
the system anymore and it still exists. Right. The easiest way to understand this is probably the old fashioned mousetrap. Right. Okay. Brilliant. How many pieces are in a mousetrap? There's like five. Right. There's the wood. There's the little thingy that springs. The thingy that holds it in place, and the thingy that holds that in place. Right. And then the spring itself. Right? Now, what yeah. happens if any one of those little pieces isn't there? It's not going to work. You don't have a less functional mousetrap. Right. You don't have a mousetrap. You don't have a mousetrap. That's right. You don't have something that could, that could evolve into a mousetrap. Like it's part. Yeah. Like like most of it's there. It just needs a little time. <laughs> yeah, you don't have any of it. No, the idea is without it, without one of those pieces, you have nothing. Right. So that's the same way a cell is. A cell, if one piece is gone, the whole thing. The whole thing's missing. So the question has to go deeper than the cell. How did the cell come to be? Hmm. You know, where where's the origins of all these moving parts? So you have to look deeper. And I don't want to, hopefully I'm not jumping the gun or anything, but I, I, I start thinking about DNA whenever I think about this because I, I want to go, you know, deeper in. So DNA right. is basically the the coding that tells us what this is going to be. So if we have DNA that, you know, tells us this is going to be this part of the hand and this, it's going to have this, you know, density and this complexity and, and all this stuff. Well, if there is a error in the DNA, a mutation in the DNA, what mm-hmm. happens? It screws up. It messes the whole. It thing messes up. the whole thing up, right. right? What they're calling evolution is a mutation in DNA. Yeah, am I correct? Yeah, we've never seen this work in science where a mutation has worked out for the benefit of the <laughs> mutator. Right. In other words, we've never seen it go. Oh well, we're going to mutate this and change it into. Now we have different pigments and different types, but a none mutation's of not good. Right. A mutation's always. Yeah, a bad we've got thing. A, we've got a name for mutation in um, in biology. It's yeah. called cancer. Yeah, that's cell exactly mu- right. Cell mutation is called is a cancerous cell. Right. So, yeah, it's not good. It's a disobedient cell, and what happens is it destroys the whole outcome. That's what evolution is if we really (laughs) looked at it and took it in the true scientific. Am I right? It's not a good thing. No, it's never a good thing. So um, so the the people in in the scientific community will try and say, well, yes, you're dealing with little bitty parts, so uh, those evolved. But that's an easy thing to say. It's harder to start describing, okay, so that means you had to have a less complicated cell that evolved into the more complicated right. cell that we have now. But we just said right. if it was any less complicated, it wouldn't work. Right. And, again, this has never been observed in nature ever. And and things evolve, have to evolve over time. Sure. They have to survive to evolve because right. they have to continue to uh, to change through generations, Right. right? Well, if it couldn't exist in a simpler form, what existed to, to change? Right. So that's the whole idea behind this irreducibly complex thing. Uh, the one verse that I want to throw out here is, is uh, Hebrews 11, verse 3. It says, sure. of course, you know, we know this as the faith chapter. Right. <laughs> uh, Through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that things which were seen were not made of things that do appear. Hmm. Now, at the time that Paul wrote this, or not Paul, whoever wrote Hebrews. Hebrews. I really don't think it was Paul. But no, me neither. At the time that Hebrews was written, um, they didn't know what a cell was necessarily. <laughs> they had no clue. 
But there's some insight into this. Right. Things that are made or things that are seen were not made or were made of things that, that do not appear. Yeah. And that's true. Right. It's of, I mean, he could be talking about cells. Cells. In right, this, there you in go. This. So anyway, uh, let's, let's move on a little bit to um, the anthropic principle. Hold on real quick. I want to jump back and think of something real quick and then move on. Okay. Real quick. Microevolution. Mm-hmm. Not macro, micro. Correct. The small instance of like, say, well, if you look at dogs, right, you have mm-hmm. different types of uh, species of canine. Right. Right. But they're all canine. In other words, they're all dogs. Mm-hmm. Those small mutations can happen. They do happen. Right. 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 Of course. And evolution is not a bad word. It's not a it's not bad science. Right. Um. What what is what is bad science is Darwinistic evolution, right? And, well, I mean macro, macro evolution, because right. of course Darwin's the one who observed the ma- sure. the micro evolution and brought it to the front. Um, but yeah, there's there's all kinds of examples in in uh, nature of right. us mutate or not mutating, but uh, changing right. over time based on our environment. Sure. So uh, yeah, you, I mean, like, but they're not gigantic changes; they're just adapt. Right, they're right. You're adapting to the environment, and they're natural occurring <clears throat> adaptations, like albino crickets. Exactly, you know, because they live in a cave. Right. Yeah, you know, that's just that's a change within the species right. to adapt itself. I'll never forget. I was watching Bill Nye, the Science Guy, one time, mm-hmm. and he was doing this thing. And then we'll, I'm sorry, we'll get back to it. Bill Nye was showing this kid this fish, basically with two eyeballs on its head. It was a bottom feeder, and it swam. On the bottom, and you know, it didn't. So it had two eyeballs on the top of its head. And he's like, Well, at one time, this fish had eye, eyes on either side of its head. And what happened is, is it evolved two eyeballs on top of its head. The, the eyeball moved uh, to the top of the head. And he's <laughs> like, That proves evolution. Well, it proves microevolution. Right. That fish did not turn into a monkey. <laughs> well, and see, yeah, and that's, that's one of the big things that's so hard to get people to understand about right. this this issue that evolution is not an origin issue right that it is an adaptation exactly issue it Which but is it has nothing different. to do with with our origin right and because uh, the question would be because you got micro and you got macro Does right micro plus time Equal, Equal macro? macro? No. No. And, We've never seen that. And and uh, species do not adapt by changing species. Right. We, there's no there's no example of that in any... No fossil records. No record. fossil records, no, nothing. So, okay. uh, Sorry. Anyways, keep going. So anyway, yeah. And, um, but yeah, okay. Let's, let's, let's look at uh, the anthropic principle for a minute. Yeah. Okay. This, this, is, this is part of what's making people in, in the news now. Man, I wish I had that news article I was reading the other day. <laughs> But this this is part of what's making people think now that hmm maybe there is an intelligence involved in how we're here, and that is the idea that we are the perfect storm. Okay, the, yeah. the planet Earth is like the perfect storm. Right. Okay. What I mean by that is it, all these random. If we want to go look at it from a non creationism standpoint all these random things came together in such an um the 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 unlikeliness of all these things happening that that we're the perfect storm there's no you could take away one little piece 
and we couldn't exist anymore. Right. Okay. Now this goes against like Carl Sagan said years and years and years ago. Um, he said, we look up in the sky and we see all these millions of stars. Yeah. And are we the only life in the, in the, in the universe? And if so, sure seems like a big, big waste, waste of space. space. Yeah. Okay, that's one of his big quotes. Right. Well, um, the idea here, though, is that even though we're finding planets and we're finding uh, now that we've got these these satellites with super telescopes on them and we're finding uh, there's planet hunter telescopes that right. are looking for planets on in other stars and that sort of thing. They're finding what could be other planets similar to Earth. But the thing is, finding one that is precisely can support yeah. the type of life that we have. Um, for example, it, let's look at us for a minute. The number of stars in the universe is important because they all have gravitational pulls on one another. Um, and it's kind of a chain link all the way back. And if you remove any of them, then it changes our position in the galaxy. Yeah. And if it changes our position in the galaxy, then it can change the supportability of life on this planet. So in... So what I'm saying is that every star is in its place for the right reason. Right. Stars burn out, stars are created, all this sort of thing, but it all happens in such a way that we maintain a life where we are, That's right? right. Um, if you look at the distance from the Milky Way, uh, Earth is from the center of the Milky Way. Right. That's an important thing. If we're any further, any closer, then things change. Earth wouldn't be able to sustain Earth life. Earth can't sustain life. Right. The mass of our sun, if our if the mass of our sun got much bigger or smaller, Earth wouldn't be able Earth to Earth wouldn't life. be able to exist. Right. Even the color of our sun. Yeah. If it was if it was redder or whiter, we would not be able right. to exist. Uh the amount of gravity that we have on the Earth, G one or whatever yeah. you want to call it, um if that changes, then life ceases to exist in, right. in certain ways. So um, the distance that we are from the sun, that, that maintains the kind of temperatures that we have here and the energy which we have in order to live. And so, once again, if we were further away or closer to the sun, right. th then, that would, um, then life would cease to exist. Even things like the thickness of our Earth's crust, huh. if that changed it would affect how the survivability on the surface would be. Um, the magnetic field is important. If, if, if it changes any wow. one way, one way or the other, we stop living. Even our reflect, the re reflectivity of the Earth, which uh, is called the albedo uh, value of the Earth, if it changes, then radioactivity and this sort of thing messes with things, and bam, we cease to exist again. <laughs> uh, there's hundreds and right. hundreds of these. So if you imagine, like, imagine all these little diodes, right, or all these little, all these little levels, mm -hmm. right, and you know, like on a soundboard or something, and the creator adjusting each one and setting it just specifically correct right. so that life can thrive and exist on Earth. If any of those goes out of whack in any way, 
Ursis exist, and you're telling me that's a random happenstance, <laughs> right? And and that's what's what's part of. Right. We were able to find these planets. There's planets out there, but yeah. the thing is finding one that has the same type of dial-in of dialed-in set, yeah. settings that we've got, right. so that uh, life could exist. Is yeah. is it's astronomically rare, right? It's so completely, um, completely. Crazy. So okay, speaking of impossibilities let's look at statistics for a minute yay okay so you took math in high school right (laughs) no i don't i don't recall math (laughs) at all okay well i'm 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 gonna try and not not get too crazy on the math but um but it's important that we at least touch on it because uh this evolution thing's a scientific thing right science is driven by math Math, that's right (laughs) okay so um, now, first off, I want to to introduce everybody to uh, the limits of in statistics in scientific studies. Okay. Okay. So, um, let's say you 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 you're you're out there um, gambling, and you're yeah. the, you're at the casino doing the the roulette table. the roulette wheel. Okay, and you're betting on a color. Right. Okay. So, what are your chances? A one in a half, right? One out of two, right? right. I mean, so there is a there's a probability if you put your money percent chance you put your money on black. Half the time it's going to come up. Half the time it's not. Right. In general. Right. Okay. So that's you know that's what we're talking about in probability and statistics. Right. That's one out of two. Okay. Um, <clears throat> it's possible, right? Right. That's the biggest thing. It's possible, but now let's say you start betting on the numbers. <laughs> okay, now I don't know. Uh, I've never actually seen a roulette, seen a roulette wheel. wheel, so I can't tell you how, how many numbers are on it. Okay, but but you know, let's say there's a hundred numbers on there. Right. So if there's a hundred numbers on there, what's your chances of landing on the number that you're betting? One on? in a hundred. One in a hundred. Okay, so it seems pretty simple when we're at this level. Right. Now, if you had a choice between betting. Color or number? Color, definitely. Color, definitely, because yeah. you now your odds, 50% versus one. Now you're, you're not going to pay out as much because right. the odds aren't as good. But the, but the, but the idea is you're going to hit your number right. more often, okay, or your color right. more often than you're going to hit your number. Okay, now let's take that out and to a crazy amount. Uh, wh- whenever we start talking big numbers, we're going to start using uh, powers of 10. Yeah. Okay, because that's just easier to say right. than a Google. Right. So Google is what ten to the hundredth power. Yep. Okay. So <laughs> Where Google got its name? Yes. You're already losing me, man. I'm falling asleep over here. <laughs> it's a huge number. Google. Okay. Got it. So uh, <laughs> we're going to talk in powers of ten. Powers so of ten. So that's really easy to 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 kind of get it in your head because you're talking when you're talking ten to the tenth power. Yeah. That's ten with ten zeros after it. Right. Okay. That's uh, a big number. Right. Yeah. Now, let's talk about 10 to the 51st power. Yeah. That's half a Google, a little more. A little more than half a Google. Okay. So, if your chances, let's say that there was uh, a little more than half a Google of numbers on that roulette wheel, <laughs> and you spin the, 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 the wheel, yeah, your chances are what science calls impossible. All right. So it's scientifically, scientifically impossible. If, if your chances are 1 out of 10 to the 51st power, they don't even consider it anymore. Right. Okay, because it's too, it's 
it's too rare to ever happen. Yeah. You have more, in other words, uh, way better chance of winning the lottery. Oh, it's not the even Powerball lottery. Oh, not even close. Because we're talking about 10 to the 51st powers, a huge number. Astronomical. Yes. We're yeah. talking about if you were to, uh, I don't know, cover the state of Texas in silver dollars and throw one somewhere right. into, the Tex- into Texas. And you randomly reached down, waded through somewhere into Texas, and reached down and grabbed it. Yeah. Then that's what we're talking about. Yeah. It's crazy. It's impossible. Yeah, okay. It, it'd be more likely for me to turn into a pink bird and flutter away. <laughs> right. Okay, so, uh, so the reason why I bring this up is because every field of science uh, that deals with numbers will discount a possibility if it hits this kind of number. Right. Okay. Uh, everything that we do in statistics uh, is tied to what's called combinatorial mathematics. So that means that let's say you've got one die, you're uh, a pair of dice. You take right. one die, you got a one in six chance. Right. Okay. If you get two dies, it's not one in 12. It's a two and one in 36. Or one, yeah, that's of right. Getting one of the numbers. Right. So you, multi- uh, you multiply the numbers together. Right. Okay. So now you add a third die. You take 36 times six. Right. Your fourth die. Then you times that times six. So you start adding, if you end up playing Yahtzee. Yeah. Your chances of getting a specific number. If you add up all the pips is starting to get really big. Right. So the more you add into this, the you multiply your chances. Right. So it gets really, really hard. Um, so, it, um, Let's see. So let's say, even at the Big Bang Theory, we talked about that a little bit. Let's say that's true. Um, and I believe the current theory is that that happened like 6 billion years ago. Right. Something like that. Okay. That equates to 10 to the 18th power seconds. Okay. <laughs> I don't get it. What, okay. what are you saying? 6 billion years ago uh-huh. is 10 to the 18th power seconds. So okay. okay, so six billion years if we if we translate that into seconds, it's 10, the number is only ten, 10 to the eighteenth power. Okay. Okay, so I'm trying to show you how big ten to the fifty first power right. is. Gotcha. Okay. So um so anyway, that that that's to kind of give some scale. Okay, now let's talk about an example of in um in actual biology now. Okay. You have um the primordial primordial soup issue. Right. Two things whatever happened in this primordial soup, lightning struck it, whatever, and life began. Okay. Easy to say, but what's the building blocks of life? Protein. <laughs> what's the building blocks of that? Amino acids. Amino acids, yeah. Okay, so let's say that this primordial soup is full of amino acids. Okay. There are two types of amino acids. There's left-handed and right-handed. Right-handed, yeah. Okay. Uh, life happens when left-handed amino acids bond and come right. and come together okay now um it takes a good number of them to actually come together before you can build a protein model right okay so um we'll get to the numbers in just a second but uh, but here's the, the trick uh if one right-handed amino acid, amino acid bonds 
with a chain of left-handeds, the whole thing blows up. The whole thing goes away. Okay, right. it does not exist anymore. Yeah. Okay. So we're talking about goes kaput. Yeah. So we're not even going to talk about what it takes to get to a cell level. We're just going to talk about protein for a second. Okay. Okay. To build, line extracts this thing, and protein's going to happen. Okay. So the idea behind evolution or this macro evolution is that given enough time and resources. So you're talking about a huge primordial soup, probably the size of a galaxy. It won't right. even fit on the planet. Uh, <laughs> and you're talking millions and millions and millions of years. The scientists always want to go to this whole statement about monkeys and typewriters. Right. You know, that, that, that little statement given enough time. Yeah. A hundred monkeys with a hundred typewriters typewriters will type out the Bible or something. Right, or the or the whole works of Shakespeare, I yeah. think, is often used. Shakespearean works. So if, um, and it's usually stated like if an infinite number of monkeys were on an infinite number of uh, right. typewriters for an infinite amount of time, then they could create it. Um, the trick, the, but the trick is, what if hitting the wrong key killed the monkey? <laughs> We'd have a lot of dead monkeys on there. <laughs> It would never happen. Yeah. Peter would never <laughs> forgive us. And so, and so, when we're talking about these It'd amino, be impossible, we're, right? And we're talking about these amino acids coming together right. to build a protein molecule. Uh, that's what it's like, right? Yes, you've got. Let's we'll give scientific community all the time they want and all the materials sure. they want. But is it ever going to happen? The chances of it happening are okay. You've got odds of one and two, of of. A bond, a good bond. Right. Okay. Um, over 400 of those bonds are required to build a protein molecule. Molecule. Okay. So that means one in two has to happen 400 times in a row in order for that to happen. <laughs> the odds of that is one out of 10 to the 123rd power. Now, we've already doubled immediately. We haven't got to life. We haven't got to wow. cells. We haven't got to proteins yet. Or we're just now getting to protein. Yeah. Okay. So the chances of even one protein molecule coming together randomly is is double what the scientific community one to the one hundred and twenty third power. Right. So that's, that's whereas one huge. to the fifty first power is impossible scientifically. Right. So okay. Yeah, we've doubled the scientific impossibility. Right. And, and but but yet this is probable. Yeah, somehow. <laughs> okay, so now if we keep on moving along, let's just let's just take this to its logical conclusion. Okay, right. let's say we that happened. Okay, right. it's got to happen two hundred and thirty times, two hundred and thirty nine more times to build protein. Gosh. So so that has. <laughs> there are sorry to build a cell. A cell. Yeah. There are 239 protein molecules in the simplest living organism. So to build one protein or one cell or no, to build one protein it would be 1 to the 123rd. We need 239 of those correct to build one to build cell one cell of a living organism. Right. And that would be yeah. 1 to the our 10th one 1 to the 10th one out of one out of ten to the what is that twenty nine thousand something twenty nine thousand <laughs> yeah it's insane that that number is more at that there's more there, there's not even that many atoms That's in the known universe impossible. right yes it's, it's right. beyond impossible it's right. ludicrous right at this point so um, so if we were to actually give wow. give them six and a half billion years okay we're gonna give them that. Let's just assume six and a half billion years. Okay, that means 
that if this tries to happen 6,000 times a second for four and a half billion years, it would still not make enough proteins to build even the simplest living organism. One. Not even to build one. Right. But yet, we're not even considering the fact that you have to build multiple cells for just a piece of skin. Right. For just a piece of your organs. Right. For just a piece of your saliva. I mean, yeah. every little thing in your body is made up of these things, right? Right. So it would have had to have happened. You had to have two of them to bond to make something Gosh. else. So it would have to happen more than once. Oh, yeah. So anyway, the the, the, the point It's statistically here, impossible for evolution to yes. exist, period. And, and, and that's, that is the understatement. So of the millennium. Yeah, that's a, you know, that's a law there pretty much. Right? It should Statistically, be. <laughs> it should be a law. Unbelievable. Okay. So let's let's move on a little bit. Um we talked about uh some of these things that I have on my list here, uh mutations. Right. Not good. No. Uh we talked about microevolution versus macroevolution. Right. There is such thing as some small changes in species. However, here's the here's one of the points that I want to make also is that evolution macro evolution yeah. requires multiple generations. Right. Okay. So that it, 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 it tells us that over like several generations, yeah. more things are selected by nature. That's why an old earth is required. By right. Way. And yeah. so these multiple uh, generations create new species. Yeah. All right. Well, let's talk about some animals that we know about in our current existence. we we look at them, we see them. Sure. And there are things about them that could not have evolved. Okay. Because if these these features did not exist, the animal no longer exists. exists yeah. So therefore, it can't continue right. on into the next generation. Gotcha. Okay. So let's talk about the bombardier beetle. Yeah. This one gets used a lot by ID people. But okay. The, but the bombardier beetle <clears throat> is a beetle that has these two sacs. And it's rear end. Yeah, it's so awesome. <laughs> Each one contains a compound that, when mixed together, <sighs> is explosive. Right. <laughs> That's why he's called the bombardier. <laughs> so what happens? He can shoot flames out his butt. That's exactly. what you exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so the idea here is a defense mechanism that you don't want to mess with. Not <laughs> only informative but humorous. Yes. So it bends over in your general direction. You better be getting out. Yeah, of the way. bombs away. Okay. So <laughs> oh here's gosh. the tricky thing. Yeah. How does two sacks separated? If those things mix inside the beetle, boom, exploded right. beetle. Right. <laughs> okay. So how do two sacks full of of this compound come into existence? How does nature, if nature is is just selecting this stuff because, and it realizes at some point, this beetle needs some protection. Right. Okay. We better build some sacks. Yeah. How? Okay. It's trial and error. It has to be because there's sure. no intelligence. It's right. all trial and error. Okay. If trial and error happens, mix those two compounds in any way, shape, or form. Boom. Beetle blows up. Beetle doesn't have children. Right. Beetle can't evolve. Right. So the, the so the point is it had to have been created initially with the design it has. Right. Otherwise, it would never exist. Exist, yep. So it could not have evolved into that. Right. Uh, similar things. There's a bird in uh, Australia, I believe, called the Megapode bird. And uh, I believe it's kin to the dodo. But <laughs> yeah. But anyway, the males actually maintain the nest. 
Okay. So the so the female lays the eggs and gets out of dodge. Okay. The the male then cares for a nest loaded with eggs. Right. And until they hatch. Now the thing about these bir- these bird eggs is that they have to remain at exactly ninety one degrees. Huh. If there's any fluctuation one degree in either direction, the the embryo dies. Wow. Okay. So what the bird does is a series of things. It buries them. Right. It uncovers them in the sunlight. It it, it maintains the temperature. Now this wow. bird is equipped with sensors on its talons so that whenever it walks across the eggs, it knows that it's ninety one degrees wow. in that egg. So it's wow. just nature. It yeah. I mean, it God has built this into that bird. Yeah. So it knows well I can't let it get any cooler yeah. than this. And so it uh, uncovers it a little bit. Right. So this bird does this. That's an instinct. Oh, yeah. The scientific community would tell us that that bird evolved that way. <laughs> if the eggs could never hatch. What happened? How did the bird evolve? To right, that? right. It had to have been built, created, and designed. In order to do that. In order begin. to yeah. do this. Otherwise, the babies. Would never hatch. Died, yeah. A similar thing is the the common garden spider. You see that that black and yellow thing that hangs out there right. in the in the yard. Uh, very common spider, at least here in Texas. Sure. Um, <clears throat> those things are very specific too. Like uh, they grow astronomically from a little bitty tyke to right. they get huge sometimes and scary. As they grow, they molt. Now they they have a, a rigid exoskeleton. That okay. it has to shed um, in order to grow. If it doesn't shed its exoskeleton, it will suffocate and die as it's growing because it's outgrowing yeah. his, his uh, outer shell. Now, the question is, how does that happen? How does that evolve? How does it get to the point to where nature chooses to molt the, the exoskeleton? Right. Because if trial and error is happening, spiders are dying in their shells. Right. If spiders are dying in their shells. They can't evolve. They can't have babies. They can't They can't go on to the next level. Sure. And there's even another level of, of complexity here is the babies are born into a very thick uh, egg sac. And they're abandoned by the mother. So the babies have to chew their way out of that egg sac. Egg sac, yeah. And it's very thick for their protection. Right. They're all born with what's called a a hatching tooth. And it's a tooth that is specifically there so that they can cut through this thick membrane and get out. Wow. So if the tooth doesn't exist, then the baby's dying in their sack. sack. So once again, how does that happen over millions and millions and millions of years? It's impossible. It can't. God right. created it so that it worked this way. Right. So anyway, that's just um, uh, a, 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 a another fun little thing about uh, the animals that we know of that we know sure. could not have have, have evolved. Uh, the last thing I want to look at, though, we've touched on it a little bit, but the million dollar question about it's important. Yep. <laughs> this is the million dollar question for evolution: transitional forms. Right. So what's a transitional form? Well, it's a half monkey, half human, basically. <laughs> if I could. <laughs> So, yeah. So if you're going to say uh, that we evolved from a lower life form, where are the transitional forms we between need, right. one and the other? Right. 
we can't find them in the fossil record. Right. Now, now this is... There are people that say that we can. Well, there are... Um, there are a lot of things that have popped up over the years. Yeah. Um, just a few attempts at this. Uh, the Piltdown Man, 1915, yep. was supposedly a missing link. That's what uh, the, the uh, community likes to call these transitional forms. Right. Missing links. Uh, the Piltdown Man was supposedly a, mix, a missing link, but turn, uh, turned out that was a hoax. Right. Two skulls were tampered with in order to create uh, the Piltdown Man. Nebraska man, 1920. It was just teeth. <laughs> right. Turned out to be pig's teeth. Right. Pig's teeth. <laughs> so, we found the missing link. Yeah, here it is. It's a bunch of pig's teeth. These teeth. Oh, whatever. Okay, uh, one of the biggest ones was Lucy. Right. Uh, the, the chimp. In 1974, 40, 40% of an ape skeleton uh, was found, and it was originally thought to walk upright because right. of the shape of the pelvis and and that sort of thing. But forensics now indicate, nope, it's a chimp. Yeah, surprising how when science, you know, gets more modern and and we <laughs> advance a little bit, we find out that these things actually weren't what we think they are. Right. Wow. And and here's a, an, a it's not just about the fossil record because people were like, well, we just need to dig up more fossils. It's not about that. Because if we were if 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 nature worked this way, right, there would be transitional forms walking around. Right, we would see them in real life. Right. Okay. So, like for example, when we moved from being a fish to a lizard, you went from a water living animal that had gills, yeah, to a land animal with lungs. Right. One is is uh, well. I think there I think there's an amphibian between the two technically right. but okay let's say how do you move from a fish which is a species to an amphibian which is a different species right the the how does natural selection choose to stop producing lungs I mean gills and start producing lungs right it's, it, it's crazy there would have to be some animals still around that had both yeah and that could live both underwater and now we do have mammals that live underwater don't have gills right um they come up for air because they have lungs right yeah um and uh, something that always interested me you know that back in the day whenever uh, evolution was becoming all the rage they started looking at uh diagrams of the human stages of birth Right, like when a a baby was developing, <laughs> and they would be like, "Look, see, it's there's got a tail. it's got a tail. There's its lungs. There's all this. So it's it's morphing from all the different stages. <laughs> and th- this is what this is what evolution was born out of that kind of science. Right, right, which is hobokum. I mean, it's it's ludicrous. <laughs> Today we look at it, we go, "That's probably the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my life." Right. I mean, even if I was not a creationist, uh, just giving the data. I don't see how you can. If, if, I don't see how you can be scientific and lean on on this stuff. Well, statistically, it's just impossible. Yeah. Period. The math is just crazy. Right. So, it's nuts. But anyway, that's that's really all we wanted to talk about in this particular one. I know it was a, a little uh, wordy. Next time we'll get a, <laughs> a little more. Um, there wasn't much theology in this theologian's uh, podcast, but it's extremely important because. It's a it's a basis of understanding. If if you're going to argue with an evolutionist, you mm-hmm. need to have 
uh, fact to back up your argument. And this is factual evidence that evolution just does not work. Right. It's impossible. And, and, and the, at this point, the college campuses and, stu- and the, the students there, they just accept it as fact. Right. They just accepted that this is just the way it is. Right. There's no question about it. And if you're religious, then you're just an idiot. <laughs> but no one's looking at this, these numbers and this type of thing and saying, right. wait a second, how could that work? I mean, we're supposed to be intelligent. You know, and we're calling them morons, right? <laughs> and we believe this. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I think that there's there's some um, some craziness there. Right. Now, the next one uh, is is going to be a, l- a little bit more fun because we're going to talk about some more about DNA, but we're going to yeah. talk about uh, information. Cool, because that's that's another big thing that uh, that the evolutionary uh, theorists they they leave out. Information is, transmission. Is, well, where did information come from? Right. And Where do we get this? Right, right. How did that evolve? So uh, That's awesome. But anyway, um, the Theonauts, we are part of the Great Commission Transmission That's Network. That's right. And uh, we use new media and social networking to mm-hmm. go in all the world and proclaim the good news. Preach it, brother. Yeah, amen. Uh, to find out more, you can partner with us. Visit visit us at gctnetwork.com. Subscribe Word. to the newsletter there. Find out what's going on in the network, even with our buddies over there at Finding Christ in Cinema. What up, guys? There are several ways that you can contact and leave us feedback. Send us an email at theonauts at gctnetwork.com. Or call us on our voice line at 972-885-7270. Listen to us on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, or your favorite podcast portal. And don't forget to leave us comments there and rate us. Tweet us at on Twitter at uh, Theonautical. Uh, like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Theonauts. You can follow us on Instagram at Theonauts. And don't forget to tune in again next time to explore the vast reaches <laughs> of God's Word with us. All right, Jeremiah, thanks for being here, brother. Thank you, David. All right, God bless. This has been the Theonauts Podcast. Call us with your questions or comments at 972-885-7270. That's 972 972- Love to hear from you. You are tuned in to the GCT Network. This is your Great Commission. This is your Great Commission Transmission. At GCTnetwork.com.